Hi, this is Josh Marshall, and this is the Josh Marshall Podcast. I'm here in New York City. It is May the 8th. Beautiful day. Uh, yeah, I'm here with my, my colleague, David Tainter. Hey, Josh. Hey, how you doing? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Well, we have, we have like a... a too much news that has happened over Seriously. the last few days. What we're going to do is we're going to we're going to talk in this episode about some key points, some key developments on the Trump Russia Trump uh, finances front. Also, how it how it ties together with Michael Cohen. But just as as we're as we're getting started, um, there's so many. I mean, we have this story with Eric Schneiderman. That that broke last night and led to his resignation in, in a matter of hours. Yeah, like like three hours, almost yeah. to the to the minute. Really? Okay, yeah. yeah. I mean, just just as- astonishing. And for those of you who are not from from New York State, uh, President Trump has has you know kind of uh, buoyed Schneiderman's profile because he was sort of like a high profile um, you know opponent of of he he had sued Trump a few times. Uh, a lot of people who have followed the Trump-Russia story really closely have kind of banked on the New York Attorney General's office as the one that might uh, sort of jump into the lurch. And the, and the reason behind that is because Trump can pardon federal crime, you know, pardon people who are charged with federal crimes. You can't do that at the state level. Right, exactly. And and, and also since since... Trump is based in New York. A lot of the crimes, or you know, alleged crimes, many of them happened in the state of New York. So if if a if a state was going to do it, uh, New York State would be the logical one. And Schneiderman was a very activist attorney general. You know, involved. I, I believe he was the one who at least sort of led the charge on Trump University. Um, so it, it's it's a. In, in any case, my, my point was that in New York State, certainly if you were involved in progressive politics in New York State, this guy was a big deal and very, uh, my sense at least, was very kind of widely admired, certainly for how he how he did his job as attorney general. Um, I, you know, I don't, I was, I was talking on Twitter last night that I... You know, I don't, I don't circulate much. <laughs> I'm either like at home or here at the TPM offices. So um, I don't know what the impression was of people who sort of were more kind of socially involved in, in New York State Democratic politics, but it was a big shock. Absolutely. And, 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 and certainly a story that, you know, wasn't like an Aziz Ansari sort of thing where people are like, well... Yeah, a matter of interpretation yeah, or whatever. You know, kind yeah. of Rashomon and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> right. I mean, it was, it was not like yeah. that. Let, let's, um, let's do some, uh, some quick uh, commercial business here, and then we'll get down to the news of the day. Calling all cold brew fans, spring has finally sprung. So it's time to switch from hot coffee to Grady's cold brew, the most refreshing pick-me-up around. Our famous blend uses 100% Arabica beans from Indonesia and Ethiopia with just a hint of French chicory for the smoothest, richest, most indulgent iced coffee experience, all delivered directly to your door at a fraction of what it costs from the coffee shop. Ready to give it a swirl? Get 20% off your first order at Grady'sColdBrew.com with promo code TPM. That's promo code T 
p.m. You know, this is a great time to drink Grady's. Beautiful I, weather this week. Do you have your Grady's? I have my... Not on me. This I is will. like the second Soon show enough. in a row. You totally dropped the ball. I, I have <laughs> my true. Grady's cold brew here, yeah. and I'm better, I'm better for it. So anyways, just one last uh, bit of housekeeping before we get into it. We've launched a Facebook group for this podcast. Just go on Facebook, search the Josh Marshall Podcast. It's a place you can kind of connect with other listeners, drop us a line, ask us questions. You know, we always want to hear from you, not just about how we're doing, but what you want us to talk about. If you have any questions for Josh, let us know. Yeah, and we'll be we'll be dropping in there. Uh, one one of our um, uh, one of our colleagues is going to be, uh, you know, kind of not moderating it, but you know, there to kind of be our, you know, to our so eyes that, and ears. Yeah, our eyes and ears. It sounds a little more spying. Than, <laughs> you know, there's already enough eyes and ears when you when, whenever you get near Facebook. So <laughs> true. Uh, but anyway, but uh, David and I will be there too. So so stop by, and you know, we wanna we want to bring together. The people who are listening to the podcast and also people who are, you know, come to the site and so forth, talkingpointsmemo.com. Absolutely. So we had, okay, so the the Schneiderman news, which was just, you know, out of the blue and, you know, took him out of politics yeah. like within hours, which, again, just, just like a thunderbolt out of the blue. We have the ongoing Rudy Giuliani kind of clown show exactly honestly just be like minutes before we stepped into the studio he gave an interview to the huffington post where he said oh rudy did yeah he oh, did okay. where he said this. um michael cohen doesn't have any incriminating information about the president basically even if he even if there even if he did anything wrong i mean cohen doesn't know anything about it yeah so um nothing to see here basically yeah. So it, well, it's 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 so funny because you know Rudy got into trouble for supposedly you know just just saying stuff that you know maybe it was true, but he wasn't supposed to say it, or it wasn't true, or who knows what. Um, you know, even if you are a big supporter of Donald Trump and sort of a skeptic of all the Trump-Russia stuff or even all of the money, you know, all of the different things, I don't think anybody would say as a categorical matter, yeah, uh, Michael Cohen knows of no bad acts <laughs> at all that Donald Trump ever, ever did. I mean, no one thinks that. Yeah. I mean, and again, that y you can think like the whole Trump-Russia story is a big nothing and all of the claims about uh, Trump's sordid, uh, you know, business past is is just political enemies and Democrats wanting to, uh, you know, drive him from office. But again, no one can. I don't think anybody would think it is plausible to make that to make that categorical claim. So we have okay. So we have that the ongoing Rudy thing. I didn't even know about this uh, new interview. I mean, it'll just it'll just keep keep. Going. Keep, yeah, it keeps tripping out. And then I guess we had the first signs this morning, and this is how it works with, with President Trump, the first uh, news reports that he's considering firing Scott Pruitt, the, the EPA administrator. Right. White House officials kind of urging him to do so behind the scenes. Right, right. I mean, honestly, it's been, what is it, 11 federal investigations against him? I don't even, I mean, at this point, it, it I, I, I don't even have a sense. There's just so... There's so many, and even like the sort of the also ran scandals for him are are kind of like you know all these things about lobbyists planning these trips for him and right. him getting favors. Um, I mean, it's 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 wild. <laughs> um, and, you know, so yeah, so so yet I, he hangs on. Yeah, well, it's, it's for now. Yeah, for now. So 
and then obviously we have the Iran nuclear deal. Yeah. We're recording this, um, I think, shortly before the president's going to make an announcement. Every sign is that he is going to withdraw the United States from, from this deal, which That's again right. is just, I wouldn't say it is so much catastrophic at, as it is a total self-own. Like, like there is no reason, even if you don't think it's a great deal, there's really no reason to pull out of it now, because even if you think the benefits are rather limited, there, there's no benefit that we get by withdrawing from it. There's just none. Um, so that's crazy. And I don't even, I don't even know what to say about that because that, that depresses me because that is something that is going to have long-term repercussions for all of us and our, our children. So it's just, it's just really depressing. So, all right. So now we're going to talk about, we're going to talk about um, what was a pretty big development in the Trump-Russia story. And it did get a decent amount of press attention, but I don't think as much as it, as it is owed because of its significance. So some of you may know about it. Over the weekend, the Washington Post published a story, and the title was, As the, as the quote-unquote king of debt, Trump borrowed to build his empire. Then he began spending hundreds of millions in cash. So basic, and this is one of these David Farron, I mean, uh, I don't think he was the lead byline. The bylines are Jonathan O'Connell, David Farenhold, and Jack Gillum uh, came out May 5th. So uh, I guess uh, Farenthold wasn't the lead reporter, but it's one of these Farenthold type deep, you know, go a lot of research. Yeah, a lot of research together, a lot of different documents, exactly public documents and so forth. And the key is basically this: that Donald Trump, like many big real estate investors, borrowed his way into his real estate empire. Now we all know. We kind of have the sense of Donald Trump as, you know, always using other people's money, uh, sticking them with the bill when things went bad. And that is all true. But it is also true that big players in real estate almost never put up their own money. The idea is you put up some of your money and you get outside investors and then you borrow from banks. So basically you are spreading around the risk and it ana- it allows you to magnify your reach. So maybe you could only, uh, with your own resources, you know, do one major development project. But if you bring in a lot of other investors, you can do four or five. So this is pretty standard that you use a lot of debt uh, if, you're in the, if you're in this part of the real estate business. Um, but Donald Trump always was the most extreme of that of, of you know in, in in that regard really you know Trump name everywhere Trump razzmatazz sort of pulling everybody <laughs> right. together he sort of said what he liked to do that right because like you say it sort of it minimizes his own yeah. risk and his own liability and he right? always like showed off about it basically is and and you know as long as you're not breaking any rules you should show off you sure. know if you're like I've got my name everywhere and I'm making tons of money but none of not putting any of my own money at at risk. I mean, I think the reason that he, the reason that he got in trouble uh, back in the late '80s and early '90s, was that he did something that his dad always warned him against, and almost any big businessman will warn you against: doing a personal guarantee on a loan now or on a lot of loans. Uh-huh. And how that works basically is that, um, as as you know, a if you have a corporation that you own, the corporation borrows the money, 
if you can't pay it back, the corporation dies, i.e. it goes into bankruptcy. But the corporation gives you a shield. So it's not you, it's the corporation. And that's how a, a huge amount of – that's sort of essential to, to, to modern capitalism, the way that corporations um, uh, shield people from uh, – you know, business losses. Yeah. But in most cases, certainly for small businesses, you know, banks know how that works too. So if you, uh, for instance, if, if, if TPM takes out a loan from the bank, the bank will say, all right, Josh Marshall, since you own the majority of the company, we want you to personally guarantee right. that if TPM goes under, you are on the line for this. And that's <laughs> right. pretty standard. Yeah. But when you're up in the big, big, you know, kind of up in the stratosphere. Often, that's not how it works. Trump did that. He got into trouble uh, back in the in the late '80s, early '90s. We know that whole story. In any case, the po- what the post story is about is that Trump was Mister Debt. You know, kind of operating in this way for decades, and then around 2006, it changed, and he stopped. Not not totally stopped borrowing money, but shifted pretty dramatically to using his own money, cash, and also being the only participant in these major deals. So you go from uh, arranging a purchase where you are you are uh, a one participant and you've got other investors, you've got banks and so forth, to just you know, buying a big golf resort and you're basically, you know, I'm going to cover the entire thing myself in cash. And over the course of the decade uh, from 2006 to 2016, when he when he ran for president, uh, the Trump organization uh, did purchases with about $400 million in cash. So there is this dramatic change, which moves in a direction of uh, – it, it just doesn't make any sense. No one in real estate was doing this. Uh, no one in real estate kind of ever does that. There's some exceptions. Sometimes there are certain people who um, if if you're super wealthy for some other reason, you may just be investing – buying things purely as investments. So you're not, you obviously want to make money, but these aren't like developments or stuff like that. It's just a really secure investment. But basically no one in Trump's kind of real estate developer thing does anything like this. So why did this change happen? Now they talked to, as as you know, uh, Don Jr. and Eric now run the Trump organization for whatever that means. And it's sort of, it's uh, kind of widely doubted that that President Trump isn't still actively involved, but at least nominally, uh, th- they run it. So, so the Post, you know, did this very meticulous analysis to show how they switch to cash, and the cash thing just keeps accelerating uh, right up in, until today. So they asked uh, Eric Trump, "So what's the what's the story? Why did why this change?" And what what Eric Trump said was. None of the cash used to purchase the 14 properties, this is the 14 properties they talk about in the piece, came from outside investors or from selling off major Trump organization assets. So basically- it's Just money that happened to be around. Yeah, just money that we made, that we made so much. And they go yeah. on to say, uh, and I'm quoting here from the Washington Post article, instead, Eric Trump said, the firm's existing businesses, commercial buildings in New York, licensing deals for Trump-branded hotels and clothes, et cetera, produced all the cash. So basically, their argument is, our businesses were doing so well, it just generated tons of cash, 
and we decided on a more conservative uh, approach to investing and the fact that we had all this cash made it possible and everything's great and that's what happened. Okay. Now, the problem is, and this is why everybody has always wanted, why it's always been such a big deal for Trump to release his taxes, that we don't really know. We don't have any idea. And there's no way to say, well, Eric Trump, that's not true because X, Y, and Z. Right. It's it's just like a black box. Private company, right? Yeah, private company. uh, And exactly, there's private companies, private. Yeah. And as long as someone's not president... There's nothing wrong with that. You right. know, what business of is ours? How the, you know, as long as they're, as long as they're paying their taxes. I mean, that's another question, but as long <laughs> as they're paying their taxes, yeah. uh, you know, the no harm, no foul. So there's a couple things that we wanted to uh, uh, talk about with this. So Eric Trump says that, and, and we have this kind of, and one other thing I should mention is that after the financial crash for, for, a number of years, even almost up until today, the cost of money, the cost of borrowing money is basically zero. Yeah, really low. Yeah. I mean, that's the whole quantitative easing, all the kind of stuff that the Fed did to get the country out of the economic crisis. I think even today, if you apply for a mortgage, it's something like 4%, right? It's like, it's pretty low, all things considered, right? It's not like 11 or whatever it was. Sort it's, of. Still, it's still uh, historically low. Yeah. And... Certainly, I mean, obviously, when you do, um, if you are a big corporation, you get even lower sure. rates. So b- basically, th- this has been the nature of the, of the U.S. economy for going on a decade now, that the cost of, you know, it is basically free to borrow money. So why you would not borrow money more aggressively is a big, is a big mystery. So do we trust Eric Trump about this? Okay. So here's, here is... The, the Post didn't get into this, and this is, you know, they're writing the story that they were going to write. But here's the thing. Back in 2014, Eric Trump addressed pretty much this issue, and he had a dramatically different answer. Now, what I'm going to quote from right now is actually a an article that appeared in 2017, but it is about – there's this guy um, – this guy – what is his name? His last name is Dodson. He is a – a golf journalist, uh, James Dotson. He is a really famous go- golf journalist. And back in 2014, Trump was kind of on here. Trump's people were on him, like, "Come, we're gonna, you know, come to one of our new golf resorts. It's awesome. You can write about it." So uh, uh, Trump and his people are on him for a while. He finally agrees. So, he, so he's having, um, he's golfing with Trump, Donald Trump, Eric Trump, Greg Norman, the famous yeah. uh, professional golfer. And this guy, James uh, uh, James Dawson, and they're at the Trump National Golf Club in Charlotte, you know, having a, having a day of golf and everything. And Dawson is confused because he sees it's palatial. He knows that Trump's, you know, opening up all these new gol- uh, golf courses and result, uh, resorts and so forth. But he knew, because he is a golf journalist, that for a number of reasons, demographics, the economy, et cetera, banks after the crash would not touch golf courses. So he asks Eric Trump, like, hey, how are you guys financing this? What's going on? So let me quote from this, from this part, of, uh, part of the story. And remember, this is from 2014, what Eric Trump says at the time. So when I got into the car with Eric, Dotson says, as we were setting off, I said, Eric, 
Who's funding this? I know no banks, because of the recession, the Great Recession, have touched a golf course. You know no one's funding any type of golf construction. It's dead in the water the last four or five years. And this is what he said. He said, well, we don't rely on American banks. We have all the funding we need out of Russia. I said, really? And he said, oh, yeah. We've got some guys that really, really love golf, and they're really interested in our programs. We just go there all the time. Now, that was three, a little more than three years ago, so it was pretty interesting. Yeah. So, okay. <laughs> now, when this article came out in, I, I think, uh, mid-2017, right, something so the interview like that. was previous, and then it came out. Well, the... The go- the outing is in 2014, right? And then uh, NPR, or actually WBUR, which is the NPR station up in uh, up in Boston, interviewed this guy James Dodson in in uh, about a year ago, exactly in, right. in 2017. So what Eric said at the time was like, "Hey, man, we got money. It's all out good. Of, yeah, money out of Russia. We're not worried about banks." So now when this when this article came out. Eric immediately said, "That's not true. That that guy's making that up. That's totally, you know, to- totally this, not." This the reporter case. who we invited to come join us at our golf, golf yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, and and again, this guy is. I, I can't say that I know a huge amount about about the golf journalism world, but this guy is a big is like a big guy in that right. world, and he doesn't have any obvious political, uh, you know, stance or anything like yeah. that. So, why he would make that up is is. There's really no plausible reason why he would make that up. And as we know, Eric's brother, a couple years before, had said something almost identical. We've got tons of money pouring in from Russia, so it's all good. Now, so what is what is this um, what does this mean? Like, so where if they have this money um, and it's not coming in bank loans, how does it how does it come in now? We don't really know the answer to that. Again, we don't have their taxes. It's a private company. There's kind of no direct way for us uh, to know. But we have a couple ideas, and they're ones that there's a lot of evidence for. One is simply you have silent partners who are just partners in the company, and there's no way for us to see them. Another way is that for various developments – you can have, again, this this sort of silent partners in different developments. Now, we know that a lot of Trump's big projects uh, in the last decade had major outside investors from parts of the former Soviet Union. Another way this could happen is that you are selling lots of apartment units in Trump-branded uh uh, properties to people from Russia. We also know that that was happening a yeah. lot. So we have we have some possibilities for how this all may have come together, uh, but we don't know the we don't know the, the the details. But we do know that that Trump's sons were basically saying before there was a political problem with right. it being the case. Like, oh yeah, we got all our money from Russia. I mean, and they said this multiple times. Yeah, on the record. Yeah, on the record. In 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 public context, so on and so forth. So here's the key about that year, 2006. That is a really key year. Again, that's when the Post says this turn happened, 
to buying things with cash. We also know from totally different lines of reporting, some of it TPM, some of it reporting from a number of different news organizations who've looked into the president's business ties with Russia over, over, over the years. 2006 is basically when the Trump-Russia money tra- uh, channel comes into place. So we don't know that that's the source of all the cash, but that is the, the exact same year when that spigot opens. So what is one of the things that happens in that year? One of the things that happens that year is that is when they start the Trump Soho Project, which is a, a big um, hotel condominium project. Yeah, downtown, down the, downtown Manhattan, kind of on the west side. Yeah, and, and actually they, it just changed its name like a few months ago. That's right. Because they didn't want the Trump name anymore. Yeah, not, the, not the only ones to uh, try to part ways with the name. Yeah, well, there's a, there, aren't there a bunch of them there's in the There's one on the, the upper west side, almost... Almost right on the Hudson River at about 70, 70-ish street. Right. Trump Plaza or something. Trump Palace. I forget what it was called exactly. But they just the, the condo board, co-op board, whatever, just voted to take the name off. Yeah, there's a bunch of them. Yeah, that yeah. have done that. Okay, so the Trump-Russia project uh, was mired in all sorts of problems and lawsuits. It is sort of the focal point of a lot of the investigations about money coming from Russia and and Ukraine, so we know that's where Felix Sater and Bayrock and um, you can Google Trump Soho TPM. But you don't even have to add TPM. <laughs> yeah. You can find it all. But the point is that happens in 2006. Mm-hmm. Another thing that happens in 2006 is that is when Michael Cohen comes to work for Donald Trump. Interesting. Now, I don't think I don't think anybody thinks that all of this money is channeled through Michael Cohen, but Cohen coming to work for the Trump organization is part of that Trump-Russia money channel getting locked in and that and that spigot opening. We know that um, Cohen and his family had been on a buying spree of uh, buying spree buying just like apartments yeah and, so that's kind of how we got on trump's radar in the first place right? yeah exactly well that's the that's the thing we, we have known for a long time that he is brought in as a conduit for money from russia and ukraine and there have been a number of different stories about exactly how that came about now one story that he has told is that um he owned a few units in one of these many uh towers in in new york city probably that's changed its its name now and there was basically like a co-op board revolt and cohen got involved and stood in the way right yeah kind of won it for trump basically and that and that got him on the radar the other story which i think there's at least some truth to is that he was buying up these apartment units in these different you know trump in, in Trump buildings in kind of all the ones in New York and one down in Florida and all sorts, you know, different places. And Trump saw this and kind of like, all right, this guy's got, is, is, is moving money. I want to kind of bring him into the, you know, bring him into the family as it were in more and more senses than one. Um, but so we know, again, we know that Cohen is part of that money channel. We don't, ex- we, we haven't known exactly how they, you know, how they hook up. But there is a book that I believe is out today. Today is the publication date, May 8th. And it's called uh, Trump Russia 
a definitive history. It's by a guy named Seth Hetna. And in there, he provides a another part of this story. Now, I'm going to read this one paragraph uh, to you from this, from this book, Trump, Russia, Definitive History. Cohen married into a Ukrainian family. I spoke to two former federal investigators who told me Cohen was introduced to, to Trump by Cohen's father-in-law, Fima Schusterman, a naturalized U.S. citizen from Ukraine with a 1993 conviction for money laundering related, related crime. Quote, Fima may have been possibly a silent business partner with Trump, perhaps even used as a conduit for Russian investors in Trump properties and other ventures, a former federal investigator told me. Quote, Cohen, who married into the family, was given the job with the Trump org as a favor to Schusterman, unquote. Untrue, Cohen told me. Your source is creating fake news. So that's Cohen's response. In addition, Schusterman, who owned at least four New York taxi companies, set his son-in-law up in the yellow cab business. Cohen once ran 260 yellow cabs with his Ukrainian-born partner, the taxi king, Simon V. Garber, until their partnership ended acrimoniously. Okay, so what we have here is, now we knew, we already knew that Cohen kind of grew up in this Ukrainian emigre organized crime world out out near Brighton Beach. He married into Ukrainian family. What Hedna says is that it was basically that Schusterman had a relationship with Trump and he kind of, you know, said, I want you to hire, right, my hire Michael. He's yeah. a good guy. Do we have any sense of how Schusterman and Trump kind of came into the same orbit? Well, we we do not. We do not. We know that Trump uh, had lots of ties to people in the uh, post-Soviet organized crime world going back many years. We don't know exactly how these two knew each other. But one thing that you can watch today is we know that about a month ago now, Michael Cohen's various places were raided by the FBI, and he's being investigated now. And one of the things that he's being investigated for is his taxi cab business and a number of loans from him and the same guy here, his father-in-law, Fima Schusterman, who loaned between 20 and $40 million just in the last eight months to another Ukrainian immigrant family, also in the taxi business. Right. Uh, a lot of weird stuff, a lot of huge amounts of money yep. um, uh, moving around. And we don't know what quite what is going on there because for those of you who don't know it, the taxi business is in profound crisis. It's being destroyed by Uber and Lyft and all these kind of so why you would why you would loan that kind of money with like no with no collateral to someone who runs a taxi business is, is a big mystery. You'd be better off buying stock in one of those tech rod share kind of companies. I right? mean, you'd, you'd be better <laughs> off like pouring it down the drain, frankly. Yeah. Um, it, it, it's, it's really not clear. And, yeah. and, and that's one of the things that, that, that the FBI is investigating. But in any case, the, the big picture here is you should really read that Washington Post article from over the weekend again for googling purposes it's called as the king of as the king of debt trump borrowed to build his empire then he began spending hundreds of millions in cash it it's one of those pieces of journalism that there's 
there's a clearly a huge amount of legwork that went into it. And that isn't that isn't necessarily if you're not a journalist, it might not be 100% clear when you read it. But a lot of legwork went into this, and they're able to show this change, this pattern that no one really quite knew this. So it's a big deal. And that the pivot year 2006 also happens to be the year that Trump's money channel from Russia and Ukraine really comes online. Now, correlation doesn't mean causation. Maybe it's just a huge coincidence, but it's a pretty telling one. And it connects up to, you know, to these to the investigation right now into into Michael Cohen. So keep an eye on that. Go read the 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 Washington Post article. So what a David, what do we have on I guess we have Rudy still talking. That's right. What do we have that that we should be looking toward for the for the rest of the week on this front? Yeah, I think the relationship between Trump and Giuliani continues to be just like interesting and un, unpredictable. Very unpredictable. I mean, yeah, I think I wouldn't be surprised if Giuliani shows up on cable news again and says something that kind of contradicts what we've what he said before, what we've heard before. So it's yeah, hard, it wouldn't surprise me. It's hard to say. I mean, you know, in the background we have the kind of the Stormy Daniels case still swirling. We have Michael Avenatti on TV every other program, basically. Right, right, right. Um, so yeah, we'll see how it goes. I mean, it obviously seems like Giuliani sort of has the blessing of Trump to kind of keep up this keep talking yeah to keep talking to kind of stir things up and i'm sure he doesn't i'm sure trump doesn't mind reading headlines like in huff post that michael cohen doesn't know anything and what's the big deal and and nothing to see here now do we know if this this emmett flood guy has actually started like what's what's the story i'm not sure what the status of that guy is honestly i I know that ty cobb was supposed to what retire at the end of the month right Right. so kind of like two or three weeks yeah so maybe there's some maybe there's still some transition period to get to get flood fully up to speed, he, I don't know. When the first announcement came out, was there like, oh, he's starting this date, or just I don't know. Like he's I don't coming? think there was a specific like start date. Yeah, yeah, it's kind of funny because, man, we have heard nothing from that. That yeah, guy. absolutely. I mean, you know, what's funny is like one thing to kind of keep an eye on, and something I've noticed kind of develop is that during the White House press briefings, so obviously Emmett Flood is going to be a White House lawyer right. working with Trump on this case. Almost every question Sarah Huckabee Sanders, the White House press secretary, is asked, just gets a response, talk to the outside counsel. I can't say anything about it. So it's it's right. an interesting way to kind of deflect right. any scrutiny or questions or right. you and, know, and, about and the case. And for the moment, I guess, and just, just for, for listeners, basically how this works is the president as president has lawyers, and that's the White House counsel. Right. And then the president as a private person also has a different set of lawyers. And again, this is every president does. This isn't something unique to Donald Trump. Um, and at the moment, I think the head of the personal legal team is still Rudy Giuliani. Yeah. Right? And along with Jay Sekulow, who is was basically before John Dowd, his previous personal lawyer left was basically just like the the tv lawyer the tv guy like, yeah like what sort Rudy of like is now. yeah sort of yeah. a polished looking guy experienced going on cable news shows and kind of advocating for trump right 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 okay so so i get and then we have michael cohen and we don't know right. when the next thing is gonna is gonna is gonna drop this so we did a have a story to... like you mentioned earlier today in vanity fair last night of emily jane fox who's sort of like a cohenologist right uh Reported. So she's had a bunch of stories. She in, has, Like yeah. an ongoing, right, right. So she's what got was interviews the... with him and stuff like that. She's basically saying that Cohen, people close to Cohen 
are telling her that this whole of this whole ordeal has had just a, a an impact on Michael Cohen's life, right? Yeah, and I mean, how could it not? It's ruining yeah. his his wife and family's lives, and he lives for his family, and you know he doesn't want to take much more of it. He, basically, he certainly he's certainly to the extent that and and that article had a lot of you know Cohen told this friend this Cohen right. told that, so it's a lot of very indirect stuff, exactly. Um, but it's, he certainly seems to be sending out a lot of messages like, I sure care a lot about my family as opposed to like, I'll do anything, you know, I'll, I'll die for Trump. Right. I'll jump out a window. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. I think there's, there's the window thing is sort of, uh, fallen by the wayside. Well, um, so keep an, keep an eye on all of these developments. I want to tell you again that the Josh Marshall podcast is sponsored by Grady's Cold Brew Ice Coffee. Get 20% off your first order at Grady'sColdBrew.com with promo code TPM. That's promo code TPM. And uh, we're going to keep watching. So so and then, so today is all nuclear deal. And then, you know, there's, there's no way there's not going to be some new big development uh, sometime over the course of this week. So we'll Absolutely. probably be back for yep. a couple episodes. We want to we, we get too much news uh, go by without trying to walk you through it here on the Josh Marshall podcast. So stay tuned. Have a great week. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening. See you later.